0: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. There's something about being
1: a published author that changes your clients' and prospects' perspective.
0: Today on episode 536 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with business coach Steve Feld. I'm going to ask Steve about the value of publishing your own book to differentiate your expertise and much more. You can find out more about Steve along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are here to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience Stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at yoursitehub.com. Now let's welcome Steve Feld. Steve is a coach, author, professional speaker, and award-winning business management executive. He has over 30 years of extensive senior-level experience in highly competitive industries. An expert in all aspects of business, Steve has a large passion for everything business. Steve, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So you've had operational and leadership experience, and now you guide others. Is that correct?
1: Yes. I've owned and operated six different businesses and ran three others. And what I've been doing for quite a long time is coaching and consulting and primarily focusing on business coaching.
0: Uh, What did you learn running your own companies? A
1: lot. I've learned a lot of things of what to do and definitely what not to do. Definitely make mistakes as a business owner, but having a, a coach, a mentor, an advisor, it definitely helps navigate through those rocky waters. And I've learned to always have mentors, advisors, that they were critical in those rocky times.
0: Mm. How did you find your first mentors and advisors?
1: My very first one, at the time I was quite young, it was one of my first businesses. And I thought, wow, here's someone who's been in business forever. They're retired. What do they know? I learned so much of how to stay focused, write things down, and know where your business wants to be and have a strategic plan. And I always thought, well, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, it was about an hour a week, but that kept me on pace and made my very first business very successful with his advice. Otherwise, I think I would have just winged it and probably had those results as well. So he came to me, actually, I went looking at a networking event and we just hit it off and met for a cup of coffee and kept talking and he was retired and he just wanted to give back. Fascinating. It's a great relationship for many years and That's why I started mentoring back at SCORE to give back because I went to SCORE for one of my first businesses, didn't know where to go. And now I mentor other startups and entrepreneurs and helping them get off the ground.
0: And at what point did you decide you wanted to make the transition from operating your own businesses to primarily coaching and guiding others?
1: Yeah, I kept coming back to it. So every time I would go into someone else's business and or take it over and run it for them and turn it around, because that was my specialty, was turnaround, change management, process improvement, and then I would get done with the engagement and realize a lot of it was coaching. So the next time I would start picking up clients uh, to help them in their businesses, and then one day I'm like, why am I consulting and doing it, working for other people, turning their business around. Why am I not just doing it for myself and helping many others? And that's, that was the key
0: aha moment. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been, so you're doing coaching full-time now?
1: Yes. Yeah, I've been doing it full-time for probably about five years, off and on before that for quite a few years. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the truth is when you're, um, like I found, even when I was starting out as an entrepreneur, just doing basic business networking, there were always aspects of other people's businesses that I, where I could be helpful to them. So just in that cup of coffee, I would be, and there were always things other people could help me with. So they did. So I think just in sort of the, the daily exchange that you have as a business owner, you're naturally going to be doing some coaching anyway.
1: Absolutely. And I, I'm a big believer in the power of mastermind groups. I've facilitated many groups. It's the collaborative method. Everyone's coming from different industries, different backgrounds, different experiences. But having everyone in the same room, everyone's kind of like your non-financial invested advisors. They don't have any investment in your business, but they're there to help you and you're there to help them. And I think that environment is phenomenal to grow your business faster.
0: Right. And one of the things that I've seen, Steve, in – in uh... Peer support groups or masterminds or whatever you want to call them, is something that somebody else has done to overcome an obstacle that you're facing, can lead to innovation, particularly if they are in a different industry. So sometimes you, you know, like you may hear how um, somebody has done some digital marketing for the first time, and they they may have applied it to um, a legal business, and you may have. Um, a business doing some HR consulting and it turns out that the digital marketing that the the legal business has done can work just as well for for your own HR business
1: absolutely I think those collaborative environments are so beneficial it, you got to find the right people I mean always that it's they're there to help themselves as well and then give as well
0: Steve what are some of the common problems that you see really frequently that business owners come to you to solve
1: one of the biggest things i always hear is lead generation well a lot of times it's their marketing is the problem it's their message so they're not focused on their message they don't know who their target market is and they're trying to be everything to everybody and that's not such a good thing you know mcdonald's knows who their market is and they target their market will Other people go to McDonald's outside their target market? Yes, but is that who they're targeting? No, they stick to who they're targeting. Whereas many small business owners are just trying to get everybody. So I think it's their message is the biggest thing that will increase their leads. And then of course, all small businesses have shiny object syndrome. They're always looking for something new when they haven't put a plan in place to get, to do what they're supposed to do right now to grow their business.
0: Mm, I find this, true uh, frequently for consultants and coaches, especially those that are relatively new as consultants and coaches. So often these are folks that are high achievers that have worked in corporate for many years, and then they leave corporate, they start a consulting business or start a coaching business. And particularly if they haven't done much in marketing and sales before, you know they're really good at delivering quality results for their clients. But they're they have a real challenge to narrow the the focus of who they're trying to serve as clients and then how to create the right kind of messaging to attract those folks.
1: That's very true. They've always had a team or someone else who is the expert in that area and they never had to worry about it. Now it's them being a business owner. You got to put on a lot of different hats. And I think a lot of people that I call I call it jumping the cubicle, they're they don't realize all the other aspects of business that they never had to deal with, someone else dealt with, now they have to work on it.
0: Yeah, so with, especially with consultants, coaches, and other people that are selling their expertise, what do you find works really well to help them be really clear on their target market and then develop the right messaging around it?
1: Yeah, to first just sitting down, it's like, who is your true target market? What problems do they have? And what problems are you solving? When I start talking to a lot of other fellow coaches and consultants, I always say, what is the problem that your target market has? And I hear it all the time. And they just give me a laundry list of everything. It's like, okay, what are their top three problems? They're very vague, generalistic. It's like, well, there's your problem. You don't know what they need, so they don't need you because they don't see the connection. And a lot of times, they're not thinking about with them, you know, what's in it for me, and the me is your client. So they're trying to, once again, just try to spray the message out there instead of using a sniper rifle
0: right so, so in your case who's your target market
1: my target market is actually small business owners anywhere from a hundred thousand to about a million dollars in annual revenue I used to target business owners in certain niches of 10 million dollars a plus but I have a very big passion for seeing the small business owner survive and thrive. so I've lowered that and I have the tools and the expertise to help them out many different resources where it's digestible that they can actually implement strategies in place to grow their business.
0: And what are their top three problems?
1: Top three problems is usually lead generation, which leads to revenue because they always say, I never have enough money. But the truth is you don't have enough people in your pipeline to grow your revenue. Conversions, they don't have any systems and processes to convert the leads into paying clients. And then once they have the client, What kind of systems and processes do they have in place to satisfy the client's needs and to keep them on as a repeat customer and referrals?
0: Mm. So what's a good example of this kind of business?
1: Good ones like HVAC, air-conditioned heating. Most of the business owners in that area have worked for someone. They're very experienced. And then they said, I'm going to hang out my shingle one day. Well, they have a scalability problem. They can only be them. So that means that they're on call 24-7. They've never built a business around it and learned how to scale. They don't know leadership. And also, they're copying everyone's message that's out there already. So it's hard from a consumer's point of view to differentiate them from the next person. Uh, One HVAC person I worked with, company, they decided they will only focus on mobile homes in retirement communities. That's all they focused on. And their business thrived on it. Will they take other customers? Yes. But they had a very niche and all their marketing and targeting was geared to that.
0: Yeah. So um, how long did it take for them to identify the this particular niche and then build a strong revenue around it?
1: We did it in probably less than a month.
0: Really? Once we started looking at
1: their database And realizing once they already had the data in certain clients, and then we started noticing they had more clients in retirement communities that had mobile homes. And it's like, well, we're starting to see this trend here. It was real easy to look at their own data that they've never even realized. And it's like, well, here's your niche. Let's change your marketing to fit them and market in those areas and not try to market everywhere. Once we did that, saved them tons of money on marketing, too.
0: Mm, So, so what kinds of marketing did they do that was different than before, deciding on the target this particular niche?
1: Yeah, they were putting it in everywhere you can imagine—yellow pages. They were doing Facebook pay-per-click ads, and it was like, "Is your market there?" No. What does your market read? Well, they're reading the local newspapers or the local magazines in that area. Or each of those communities had their own newsletters. So we just started putting an ad in those newsletters. And t- really tar- targeting it, and it was m- much more effective economically as well. So then, now they're paying like $50 a month to be, have a good size ad in the local newspaper or the local newsletter that they generated versus other areas. They still did u- yellow pages until that went away because that's where their market went. They did not use Google a lot because that's not where their market went. Now they're on Google.
0: Okay. And $50 a month seems like a pretty modest investment for marketing. Yeah. And that was per area. So I think their total, it
1: ended up being just their total marketing budget was less than 2,500 by the time we were done. And they, they used to be spending right around 8,000 a month. Wow. And spraying and praying and now it's targeted and the ROI is phenomenal and referrals.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, uh, For a professional service business, what's a good story? Professional services, a CPA. Mm -hmm.
1: CPAs also have scalability problems because they know every They're trying to do it all themselves. And especially at two times of the year, they get overwhelmed. So one CPA firm I worked with, it's like, wouldn't it be nice to spread out your customers throughout the year? And they're like, well, yeah. So we put in a program, kind of like a retainer fee, if you will, that Customers could pay a monthly fee throughout the whole year for the whole annual fee, and then they get to meet with their CPA two different times of the year. Are they on track with taxes, financial planning, and so forth? By the time tax time came around, the business owner already had their ducks in a row because they've been speaking to the CPA a couple times throughout the year. The CPA now understood the business a little bit better, and then they were, their biggest problem was referrals. Because the business owners loved the way the CPA was helping them and referred them out and had to start hiring more people. Yeah. Good problem to have.
0: Uh, it's a great problem to have. So that, that was both shifting the business model and shifting the messaging.
1: Yes. And they were targeting, once we looked at their database, because they're like all business owners, we're all go, go, go. And we don't sit and really look at the numbers. We started noticing most of their clients were all Small business owners anywhere from like 10,000 a year all the way up to 200,000 a year was their sweet spot. So it's like, well, let's just target startups, new businesses, because they had all the systems already in place. And once we said, we're going to just focus on business owners from startup to the third year up to this revenue model, their business even took off more.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I'm hearing from you, Steve, is the importance of taking time to reflect and also analyze whatever data you have.
1: Yes, and all small business owners, we're all the same. It's hard to see all the trees in that forest, and that's where an outside perspective comes in and kind of just opens up your eyes to look look around you.
0: Now, going back to the kind of business that has uh, a lot of professional expertise, like like a CPA or a consultant or a coach, what have you found is the importance of having some kind of written story that you can share? Uh, like I know that uh, over the last number of years, there's been a, a huge trend towards writing, your, writing a book or writing multiple books that you can, you may or may not get it published by a publisher. I see way more people now self-publish. What do you see as some of the advantages and disadvantages to getting your story in, in book form? I think it's
1: powerful. There's something about being a published author that changes your client's and prospect's perspective. That's why I decided to open up a publishing house with someone else and where we write their expert books. And give you an example of an expert book. It's for someone who wants to set themselves different outside of the of the norm. It could be for any business owner. I've seen business owners use this as a giveaway. It's a short little book but it separates them from their competition. I've even read one for a bookstore who had their own book, expert book, separating themselves away from all the big chains. And it highlighted why a local small business owner bookstore was a better investment to go to than a big chain. And people came to them in throats because of a simple little book.
0: Mm. And how long does it typically take to write that kind of book? Usually 30 days,
1: 30 days or less. Uh, the process we use is we actually have an interview process. We have an application, and then we interview them, such as like what we're doing now. That way, the book is written in their words. It's from their heart, it's just not writing words to be writing words. And then we edit it down. The client then proves it. We get them a hard, proof hard copy so we can have a visual on it. Make any next rounds of the revisions, and then we actually give them hard copies to hand out and sell out. It's more like another marketing piece, a better calling card, if you will. Then it kind of separates you handing these out at a networking event, which are small, easy to read books because they could be read within 15 to 20 minutes. That's going to separate you out from the next real, the next insurance person.:
0: And how long are these books typically?
1: Usually 50 to 80 pages. So they're a pretty easy read. Every book that we've ever done, you could probably knock them, read them in probably about 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of our clients, uh, he was an insurance agent and gave one to a potential prospect. The prospect read the book over the weekend while he had a couple minutes, hired him. And the whole purpose was, why did he get hired? The owner said, it was what you said in the book why you are different and how you're gonna help me in very simple, easy language. And it was from that insurance agent's heart.
0: Hmm. So Steve, since lead generation, revenue and conversion, and systems to deliver results to clients seem to be pretty common among small businesses. What do you see as some of the trends that may be affecting small businesses, particularly this year? With, um, you know, there's there's been a a huge shift in our world due to COVID and uh, the lockdown, the economic situation. What do you see as some of the major shifts that are going on and how small business owners can um, not only survive, but perhaps thrive given the challenges today?
1: One of the biggest things is once the pandemic went down, there was a lot of business owners that did not have any systems or processes really set up. They were just go, go, go. Now you have to pivot. A lot of the business owners I spoke to, or not a lot, a small majority, I should say, they actually had newsletters or email lists already in place. So when everything had to go online or get out of the retail store, they already had a list built. And they could communicate with their potential clients and their current clients that way. That was a game changer for them. So we just shifted the retail store from brick and mortar to online, and they were good to go because they already had their client base. They were talking to them on a regular basis and staying in touch. Many business owners never had a bi- had their email list built up or social media presence, and now they're scrambling to ke- play catch up. Well, there's a lot of people doing the same thing.
0: Right. So for those that maybe didn't have any kind of or or didn't have a significant online presence, are there some basic things they can do that might give them uh, at least some kind of advantage over those that are really scrambling? Yes.
1: What I've been seeing, too, is the business owners like in that situation, what they've been doing is giving out some advice, something free, something to help people in their market. If you're going to give a little bit, it's like now it kind of gives some lead generation back to you that you're the expert in whatever industry you're in. But you got to give a little bit to gain a little bit. And a lot of business owners are, well, they're going to steal my secrets. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. It's like, listen, if you got to communicate why you're the expert, why you're the best place to be, share a little bit of that knowledge to help others. Don't charge for it and just share a little bit of it and start generating some leads that way. So they'll come talk to you, they wanna know more.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I see with with business owners that have some reluctance to give, quote unquote, give away their secrets, is the fact that your ideal clients are gonna to come to you because they don't know how to implement the secrets. They, they may, mm-hmm. right, they may, it may be fine for them to hear what the secrets are, they may even try to do it themselves, But for the ones that are really going to be good clients, they're going to need your help to do it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I've been teaching a class, ABCs of starting a business, two times a month for four and a half years. You get 40, 50 people in a room and they're sharing their idea. It's not even in place yet. Their idea, their secret, if you will, of what their business is. And out of all those years, I've only had one person reluctant to share. And they go, someone's going to steal my idea. The answer is... I would just put it out to the crowd. Who wants their idea? Not one hand goes up because everyone has their own passion, their own niche, their own experiences. They don't, they might learn from you, but they're not gonna steal your idea.
0: Well said, Steve, what's your passion for what you want your business to become now that you've been doing the the coaching and the education training for the last number of years? Where, where are you headed?
1: I was, well, before the whole pandemic had many speaking opportunities already aligned. I do have five coaches underneath me. And my passion is I want to see all small business owners survive and thrive. You can become a big business owner, but a lot of them just don't know how to be a business owner. They know their craft, their skill, their expertise is phenomenal. But you got to make a business out of it and put business systems and processes in place. So my whole passion is help as many business owners as I can. My goal this year was to help at least 100 business owners, you know, survive and thrive. And since the pandemic, I've definitely crushed that goal.
0: Oh, that sounds great. Well, Steve, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or access any resources you have, particularly resources around some of the things we've talked about today, where would they go?
1: Yes, a website is great. It's biz, B-I-Z, com. Or You can also email me if you have any questions. I'll be more than happy. It's not a sales call. It's like, let's just help you out to help your business at steve at bizcoachsteve.com.
0: And um, you can actually get in touch with Steve about the Spotlight book program by going to smashingtheplateau.com slash spotlight. So we will put that in the show notes as well. Steve, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest today has been business coach Steve Feld. Thank you again, Steve, for joining us.
1: Thank you very much, David.
0: When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned about the value of publishing your own book to differentiate your expertise and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.